Hey there, boss. This is Jeff Mendelson, host of the One Big Tip podcast. And I am so excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program, where I teach you how to fast track your lead gen by having more conversations with your targeted clients, even if you have no list, audience, or paid ads. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero, and let me show you how to be the superhero in your own business. I am also actively seeking guests for this podcast. If you know someone who is currently six figures or more in their business and they have an actionable, tangible, and measurable tip to share, please let them know about it. Just go to onebigtip.com slash guest for information on how to be a guest. I can't wait to hear from you. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And with me today is David Perry. David is one of the best-known video game developers in the industry. He has earned the Development Legend Award and created multiple number one hits. With 39 years in the business, he is still one of the best-known veterans in the industry. These days, David has his attention focused on his latest venture, uh, Caro.com, an e-commerce partnership network used by over 30,000 Shopify brands. David believes the secret to his success is that he surrounds himself with a team of people who see the opportunity and solutions to problems rather than what he terms hurdle pointers, which is a real interesting uh, term, or newscasters, people who can spot the problem but don't create solutions. So on today's show, he shares methods of growing a company by surrounding yourself with solution creators. We were talking in the in the pre-call about this. I got a little long-winded, but you know, team building is actually one of my passions. It's one of the things I feel very strongly about. So this is going to be an amazing, amazing discovery. David, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the show. No, oh, thanks so much for inviting me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. So listen, um, I'm really curious about, about your journey. Like, how did you make that jump from being a video game developer into, you know, into the e-commerce world and being able to you know, sort of bring some of those talents from, you know, from what could be seen as two completely separate camps and sort of merge them into two in order to be successful with Caro. How did that happen? Well, it's, it's interesting because that, that in itself um, is, is something when you're an entrepreneur, it's like, what do you have to be limited to a certain thing that, you know, like you've got one track you have to stay within and, um, and the game industry, I was doing it for a long time. I think it's probably shocking to the people I know in the game industry that I ever left. This is just what I did. Um, but I, I got mostly known for working on branded video games and I realized the power of brands. So I could make a game called Jumpy Boy and, you know, no one really cares. And then I'd make the Matrix and suddenly everybody cares. And so this idea of, of, uh, of sort of understanding the power of branding within that universe really helped my career along. But the last company that I, I was a co-founder on was called Gaikai, and it was the idea of streaming games from the cloud. So we were sort of looking to the future of gaming and working on that. Like, where are things going to go? Someday you'll have every game everywhere instantly. That's That's going to happen at some point. So why don't we try building that now? And we built that technology, and uh, Sony came in and just bought the company and it's now been built into the PlayStation. It's called PlayStation now. And, uh, and, and you can stream lots of games from the cloud. But basically, um, 
I had, after getting the, that company acquired and I had a previous company was acquired by Atari, um, I got to the point where I'm like, I think I'm going to retire now. And I built the world's coolest man cave. It has woodworking and metalworking and 3D printing and photography and all kinds of things in this big warehouse. And, and I was there and I found myself, um, you know, my, no one really cared about my photography, but when I took pictures of social media influencers, suddenly I, my feed would blow up with people wanting to meet them. And, uh, and so I, I found the influencer thing got quite interesting and I was talking to them about what's it like to be an influencer today. And, uh, and, and, and it was, I'd never really thought about the numbers, but you know, I had been to an Ed Sheeran concert and Ed Sheeran had about 60, 70,000 people in the audience, which was an enormous audience. This was at the Rose Bowl in, in Los Angeles. Um, you got this enormous audience. And then, and then I have some kids in my studio that want their pictures taken and they have 15 million followers that they talk to every day. And, and you start going, wait, that's just such an enormous amount of people. And, uh, and so the thought was, you know, what's it like for you guys and how does that work? And they explained how when you're an influencer, you never really get to work with the brands that you really want to work with. And so um, they constantly getting troubled by brands. You know, will you tell everyone my candles are the best candles? And they're like, I don't use candles. Um, and so it was kind of interesting just to see that whole um, aspect of it. And my daughter has influencer friends and, you know, one 12 year old is making like $30,000 a month. And, uh, and, and she's explaining how she keeps getting sent makeup, but she doesn't wear makeup. And, you know, at the time she had this backpack with her that she was gushing about. I take this everywhere. I love this backpack. And I'm sitting there watching all of this going, I think I would like to be that backpack company, not the makeup companies that are just burning cash. Um, how can we help brands work out which influencers like their products? And you can imagine this is a problem for me because my brain starts spinning instead of, instead of just uh, retiring. And so I met this guy, uh, his name is Jason Goldberg, and and uh, he was working on this as well. And we ended up agreeing to to um, work together. And uh, and so suddenly I'm back in business. Now I'm in e-commerce trying to help brands work with influencers. So we did that. Um, and, and then we realized that what we're really dealing with is attention. And attention is the most valuable thing to brands, it turns out. If you think about it, Google and Facebook exist because they sell attention at scale. Um, and you'll never meet brands that can ever have enough. They just, it's an insatiable desire for attention. And so it seemed like somehow we'd end up in a, in a very important place, but there's actually something more important than attention and that's sales. And so we thought to ourselves, is there any way we can help with sales? And, and, and so what we did is we, we, because of this influencer piece, we have over 30,000 brands that have installed our technology into their stores. And so our thought was, why don't we, if you look at them together, like an organism, 30,000 brands um, have um, currently 390 million visitors a month. So wait a minute, you've already got a lot of attention as a group. You know, instead of everyone rebuying the same clicks, why don't we find a way for you to actually share the traffic? And so that was the thought process. And, uh, and so we created a technology to allow them to, to sort of almost like dating, to, to opt in, to, to, to collaborate with each other. So one brand has a bike store, another one makes helmets. Well, why don't you sell helmets in your bike store? You don't have any right now. We have lots of helmet companies. We can just wire them in and you'll instantly have their helmets. You don't have to pay for any helmets up front. You don't have to, 
store any helmets in your warehouse. You can have all the all the colors, all the sizes, and then you can sell them. And this instantly creates sales, um, but with free attention. And uh, and so you can see how this to me is really interesting. And uh, and now we're finding that large enterprise companies are coming to us saying, you know, can we connect in so that we can get access to thirty thousand brands? And the answer is, we'd love to help you with that. So now we have live selling on television and things like that. So somehow I've gone from retired and and I was actually taking woodworking classes and metalworking classes and all that stuff to suddenly knee deep in e-commerce and, and actually having a lot of fun with it. Because you would think the e-commerce industry is done, right? Like you think everything would be solved, but it's like the wild west. And coming in from the video game industry, there's a very much a can-do attitude when you when you have people from the game industry, like they have to invent on a daily basis that their job. And so it, you don't constantly hear you can't do that. And so that that turned out to be um, a real benefit to us. So, you know, anything we can dream of, we do, which puts us at the sort of the tip of the spear in the space that we're in. And uh, I think it's actually a lot of fun. So in a way, yes, I'm I'm not in the game industry now, but we're still uh, we're still having a lot of fun um, building software. You know, what an amazing story. One of the things that you talked about was that attention is great, but sales are better. Yeah. Right. And I actually had, and I actually had a conversation like this um, on a plane ride. I happened to sit next to a guy who like right away, he introduces me that he's uh, that he's an influencer and he shows me his half a million views on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh, wow, that's really great. You know, like I'm fake interested in this thing. Right. And I'm like, well, well, what do you sell? He's like, well, I don't sell anything yet. And I'm like, okay, so I'm sorry. What do you do? He's like, oh, I manage paid ads for another company. I'm like, but you have, you have this, you have this bank of followers. Like, what are you telling them? He's like, oh, I'm a mindset coach. I'm this, I'm that. I'm like, dude, so I'm sorry. You're doing this for your health. You're doing this for your therapy. Like what's going on? And for me and the way my mind processes it, it's like, well, why are you doing this if you're not making money at it? Right. And I get the, you know, the altruistic, uh, you know, that I want to, I want to help and reach, uh, you know, as many people as possible, but you know, at some point you're going to have to pay your rent. You're going to have to pay the bills. You're going to have to pay, you know, the, the mortgage on your house, things like that. So one of the things that's really interesting about what you're doing is that you are connecting a, a basically two camps of people that don't have an easy path to normal, to have a normal conversation. It sounds like, right. It, in that you have a travel influencer, but why is she, why is this travel influencer going to all of a sudden promote, you know, like uh solar power generators, right? I'm thinking of one influencer, her name is uh, Eva Zubek, right? And what she does is that she's traveling around the world right now, all up and down North America with her, with her Land Rover Defender and somebody sent her a generator so that she can have power while she's on the road for days at a time, right? And you think about it, it's like, how do those types of people get connected? Right. Mm -hmm. And they have to have some kind of the, the, there has to be an intersection, first of all, but there also has to be some kind of, you know, like some kind of uh, interest. So how do you help people, you know, sort of navigate that intersection in order for it to be a viable partnership? Well, it's a great question. The first thing is that influencers, I think the really smart ones are realizing that followers are great, um, that, you know, these are awesome, but customers are better, right? So we love followers. We love it. It's great, but customers are better. And everyone that's really wealthy 
worked this out already. They've already solved it. They've converted their followers to customers. The ones that haven't worked it out yet are still playing the video game of Instagram. So Instagram's a big video game. Your score is your followers. You've got a really high score. Congratulations. That's awesome. Um, but the ones that become, you know, billionaires, they have converted those followers over into customers. And so that's the key piece of the puzzle. And if you say to yourself, well, what, what percentage of influencers have made that transition and converted their followers into customers? The answer is really, really, really small. It's maybe less than 1%. The reason is, is a lot of them are doing affiliate deals and affiliate deals simply are when they are selling something, but they don't get to keep the customer and they only get to keep a piece of the sale. Um, what they need to become a retailer. So then they keep the whole retail cut, which is about 20 to 50% of the sale. And they, um, by doing the, by being the retailer, you're growing this list of customers. So a very simple way to think about this is imagine you're looking for an e-bike influencer and there's loads of them. And then one of them has sold a hundred thousand e-bikes and has the customers, right? Who do you want to work with? And, and that's, it's, it's quite simple, but in reality, it's shocking how it's not happening yet. So I think there's going to be this enormous, I don't, my point is I, I look at influences potential energy that hasn't quite been unlocked yet. And so when they send their sales off to, let's say Amazon, Amazon publishes the numbers, they give you three to 5% for most of the major categories and they keep the customers, which means that the influencers have no relationship with the people that buy based upon their advice or, or their, their curation or their taste. And I think that's going to change. I think it's going to change. We're, we're doing what we can do to help. So, um, you know, influencers are now building Shopify stores and if they install Caro and any brand that they want to work with installs Caro, they're instantly in business. But one thing, Ava Zubek is actually a really good example. Um, I'm actually one of her Patreon supporters. I, I think what she does is amazing. And interestingly, um, people like her, you could, you can easily connect to, on Cairo. You can easily connect. You go through a catalog and you find whatever you want to, whatever you want to sell. But ultimately, let's say she wants power generators and she does a deal with a power generator company. What's good about it is they just by forming that bond between the two of them, they can actually see is that working? Like, can she sell? power generators imagine she sells tons of them then it's time to make the the ava edition <laughs> right or, or or maybe branding which is again what i learned in my career make the land the land rover discovery edition um and and then ava will want it even more um so but basically you can try the relationship and see how it's going and then decide if we're going to do a custom edition. Cause if, when they do the custom edition, it will spike the sales even more. Um, and, and so, but what we learned is that that merch as a concept today, a lot of influencers go, no, no, I've got a merch deal. And you go, hold on a minute. Let me, let's just go through your merch deal. You're getting a small percentage and someone else keeps your customers. Right. And they're like, yeah, well, interestingly enough, merch, while it's cool to have your name on everything, real influencers, are able to sell based upon their taste, like uh, upon the choices they make, the dog bowl they're using doesn't have to say their name on it for it to sell. Their dog's eating out of that dog bowl and you can see it every day in the videos. That's that's the one that other people then want. Um, Bono doesn't put Bono on his sunglasses, but if you look in the feeds, like you can see people going, oh my God, I love these sunglasses. What, you know, what brand is that? So that's, that's the concept of being a tastemaker. And I think that what's interesting is influencers are, are, you know, obviously incredible at tastemaking. And I don't think they're really fully 
understand the, the strength that they have. What, what I mean by that is they'll be showing something in a picture, but when you look in the comments, people are looking at everything else, like the, you know, the wallpaper and what, what they're drinking in it. They're looking at everything in the picture, and yet you're trying to sell this one thing. It's hilarious. I see that, you know, they're trying to sell the sunglasses, but everyone's trying to work out what the bag is. And, uh, and that's because they're tastemakers. And so an interesting question is, do you think um, brands are starting to become tastemakers? Because I do in, in the form of, so, so simply put, influencers are becoming brands and brands are becoming influencers. And, uh, and, and those conversations, I think, are fun too. What a great explanation, right? Because really what you hit on is, you know, this convergence that I think that a lot of people don't necessarily see coming or they're not thinking about it in those terms, right? They're just so busy gaining, uh, you know, trying to game those followers or they're trying to game those mm -hmm. deals. And I, you know, I'm just curious about the ones who, you know, started influencing when they were 14, right? So these are people that finished high school and I'm not calling them dumb or stupid, uh, you know, dumb or smart, right? But, you know, they didn't get their MBA yet. Right. So they're not thinking about it. So they're not necessarily thinking about this a little bit more long term. I thought it was really telling. This had to be like five years ago. My daughter shows me an article how the Kardashians are actually expert marketers. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was and just the fact that she brought this article to me was like, oh, my God, where did you get like, how did you think? She's like, well, you're a marketer. You you should know all this. And I read that. I, I read that article line by line. And the truth of the matter is she's right because I would never have gotten on their channels otherwise, right? doesn't speak to me. I, I don't care for that kind of, you know, rich drama culture. But the fact of the matter is they're making a lot of money doing what it is that they're doing because they do have a few tactics that are, that are really good at talking to their, at talking to their fans, at talking to their followers and talking to their base and really getting them to feel like, Hey, you know, like I really care about you. Right. And I really, uh, you, you know, I really care about what's going on. I found that incredibly fascinating, you know, especially that, you know, like my, my daughter would bring this to me. Right. And like, I don't know, like, what do you think about something like that? You know, when, uh, you know, when the, when some influencers are getting uh, some negative uh, attention, you know, based on the stunts that they're pulling or the, you know, the attention that they're garnering, I mean, is it a question of any attention is good attention or, or can it all evaporate with one one mess up? Like, how does that work? I think um, I, I I don't think that's that big a problem because uh, you know uh, you, your fans are either loyal or they're not. If your fans are into what you do, I think it's a good thing. But the thing is that there's there's more to them than just their hardcore fans. There's the actual knowledge of their brand and so i have a very simple way of thinking about things which is what is a celebrity if you ask yourself what is a celebrity to me it just means you're familiar with that person like i i would recognize them across a room you know if i've watched a movie with jennifer lawrence in it i've seen her face 80 feet wide for hours on end therefore i recognize her anywhere instantaneously that to me is the definition of a celebrity that's that's when that person and, and so when I say to you, you know, I don't know, Kendall Jenner, then suddenly, you know, you're like, oh, I've heard of, I've heard of that person. And there's value to that. There's, there's this value to getting the, the names out there. We have, I'll give you an example is we created, we realized something which is not all stores. I mean, if you think about it, if you put a product in a store, you can navigate past the product and not see it. 
that's a bummer because you've got a relationship. You've got the thing in that, like, say I put my helmet in your store, but I find a way past it. Um, our thought process was, why don't we work on like a checkout upsell as well for partners? So that means that you, you're not limited by your own product catalog. You're actually able to have more, um, more products based on who's buying what, when, where. So to give you an example, let's say, um, let's say I am buying an electric toothbrush. This, the, the standard recommendation engine will look in, in my store and say, what do I have to go with an electric toothbrush? And it goes, would you like to buy an electric shaver? And that's actually not going to convert in the data. We will know this from our data. Uh, what will convert is Kendall Jenner's toothpaste. Uh, it's called Moon Oral Care. So if you, with your electric toothbrush, put a very high branded toothpaste right beside it, they will just add to cart. And so, oh, I've never heard of this. Let's try that, right? Um, or, or my daughter's going to love that. Let's try this. And so in reality, the data um, can create very interesting opportunities when you open your mind to more than I'm only going to regurgitate my... Imagine every time you go to the store, the only thing I can sell you is my stuff over and over. And and you have to... What, what I think is funny is we'll talk to a brand who just sells spaghetti. And, and that means they're going to, to recommend their spaghetti with their spaghetti or their coffee with their coffee. And it's like, this is not a good strategy. <laughs> this is not an efficient strategy. So in a way, um, this idea of opening yourself up to working with other brands and putting the, the highest converting thing that's converting right now into your checkout is a different way of thinking. But those influencers, the value there is, is I mean, at the end of the day, it's a toothpaste, right? Does the world need another toothpaste? But, but when they put their name on it, it means something based upon the, the, the person they are, the brand that they, if they're a quality um, entity, then, then you can, you're, you're probably going to want to give that a whirl. And so to some extent, um, I think that's a fascinating, fascinating piece is that they, like building a brand is not easy. It's, it's something you have to actually protect and understand who you are and what you stand for. And you can't keep changing your mind um, over and over and over. So you, you have to sort of choose a track and go for it and build, um, that entity, but boy, oh boy, are they talented at doing it? And so that's one of the thing to think about is that influences are, are generally very busy trying to do that. Um, it's, it's like, I'm saying, you know, Instagram's a video game to some extent to, to keep creating content to entertain people and, and for them to like it is a lot of work. And so there's usually someone in the background that's doing that, like there's a lot of influences. Their their mothers um, are their their managers. We call them momagers, and the, the momagers are are trying to take care of all this. And so it's difficult for them because they they've never dealt with all. You know, I, I I've talked to some where they'll they they think to sell skateboards you have to fill the garage with skateboards. Like that's how you do it. And uh, now their garage is completely filled with skateboards and the mom's problem. The kid's off in Hawaii <laughs> jumping off cliffs and she, her problem is selling skateboards. That's not a good way to do it. So ultimately the partnerships um, I think is, is very interesting, but the leverage is, is definitely the name and the brand. And, and yeah, I mean, you could probably tarnish um, your name, but I, I don't know if I've seen many examples where it went really wrong. Um, you know, the, the, probably the only one that's current would be Amber Heard. Her, her, she's definitely done some damage to her IP, but I still don't even know if, if that's, I think she's made herself even more famous to some extent. I don't know how that's going to play out. But in general, you know, being a celebrity just means people are familiar with you. Amazing. Let me ask you something. When you created this platform and you started onboarding 
you know, these different camps to, um, you know, to start using it. Can you highlight a story of how one store went from like, you know, just meager or, or average sales and then partnered with X, Y, and Z influencers and were really able to, to blow up their business? How did that look? A good, actually, one example I like is um, is is an interesting one that came to us was a company called BlendJet. Have you heard of BlendJet by any chance? They do these portable blenders. Yeah, they're USB charged, and the concept's quite simple, which is when you blend something and you know over there, and then you pour it into a glass, and then you put it on your table, and you're reading a book, and you reach for it, it's settled by that point. So you're constantly drinking settled blended drinks. So the concept that you could just hit a button and, and re-blend it just before you drink, it's pretty cool. And so, of course, that works. If you if you show that on TikTok or you show that on social media, it's going to sell a lot of units. And, and, and that's exactly what they did. But what happened was they came to us and said, we are friends with lots and lots and lots of brands, but we'd like to build a marketplace of everything that goes in our blender. Um, and... And that's that's such a cool concept because if you think about it, they don't have refrigerated warehousing and all the you know all the different fruits and milks and everything. So wouldn't it be great if you could just partner with all of those different entities and just keep adding more and more? And so that's what they did. And so suddenly they um, they brought in companies like Oatly um, that just that literally just installed and, and joined and. Um, we usually see that happen usually about a 10 to one, you'll get about 10 brands come in for, for a single brand that wants that that's well connected that, uh, that wants to do that. But, um, I thought something that they did that was very clever was they, they got that working, but then they added subscriptions on top. So now you're getting subscriptions to other people's products. Um, and that, that really drove a lot of sales. So uh, ultimately that combination of partnerships and being smart enough to think, well, is there anything else? Well, what about subscriptions on top of that so that you can keep reselling um, other people's products? What that does is it increases your average order value. If you think about it, like you, before you sold blenders, now you're selling blenders with stuff and subscriptions. It increases your average order value, which is really the true metric on whether you're going to be successful or not, because it, it the more your average order value increases, the more you can afford to unlock your marketing team and do, you know, get more and more aggressive with how you're, how you're growing your brand. Um, and so that's the thing that a lot of, a lot of brands struggle with is, is they realize that the, the cost of acquisition of a customer is, is actually more than they make from the average customer. And, uh, and so it means every time they run an ad, they're actually killing their company faster. <laughs> it's an awful situation and it happens all the time. Like it's, it's, uh, the, I would argue the vast majority of startup stores, that's that's the discovery. So the average order value becomes life and death. And and so um, trying to find a way to get to increase that is, I think, absolutely critical. So that's why. One of the biggest examples I've seen of that happening is Casper, you know, like uh, with mattresses, yeah. right? Because um, they're basically, first of all, they're solving a problem that, at least in my mind, right? didn't necessarily need to be solved, right? Like I didn't necessarily need a mattress shipped to my house as opposed to me going to mattress giant, which there are 150 of them within, you know, throw my hand, right? <laughs> so, you know, there's that, right? And then when you, you know, when you start digging deeper into the numbers, you know, it's almost like this, um, it's almost like this insatiable vampire uh, lust of blood that you need to, 
you know, that you constantly need to be pumping in marketing dollars just to keep the ship afloat. Right. And at some point, you know, the balance is going to tip. And what happens is that if you're not looking for those innovative ways to make new revenue, as opposed to just selling the same widget a different way, right. You know, like you said, they're just not going to last very long, either that, or they have to do a really good job of bringing in more VC funding. And what happens is, yeah, that's going to be great. But how many series are you going to go into? I mean, I mean, who goes into series M, N, and O? You know, it's like nobody does that. You know, by then you should be seeing a profit. And if you're not, then it's t- it's time to rethink your it's time to rethink your business model. Exactly. At that point, you want to be public. <laughs> you want to be a public company. You don't want to keep raising and raising, or you'll have one percent left at the very end. Um, so. Yeah, exactly. no, that that would not be a good thing. It, we 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 think of it as complementary products. So, you know, an example would be uh, I talked to this lady who sold um, bags to take to the beach, but she'd never thought about what goes in the bag. And you could literally see on, on the call, she was like, "Oh my god!" Like I could sell, you know, towels and sunglasses and sunscreen and all kinds of things. And it just didn't occur to her that that would be because um, she's very focused on designing and making cool bags. And so. That's the, um, that, that idea of complementary. What does it really mean? Well, it means why are you making people go elsewhere to buy that stuff? Like you're, you know, they need it, that you know, they're going to, uh, you know, go and buy it somewhere else. Uh, do you really, really want them to open another tab and spend that, you know, average order value somewhere else? And that, that's just not a healthy thing. And I, uh, um, you know, the, the spaghetti example is a good one because the, um, I spoke to the, a lady that was doing that and, and her website had beautiful recipes. And so you say to yourself, well, what about those other ingredients um, and all that other stuff? Like you're, you're selling me, I want this for dinner, please. This whole, this experience actually. And you're not helping me with any of that. Cause there will be people going, Oh, I wonder what that cutlery is. I love it. And they probably get emails asking about it on your website. You've got this cool tablecloth. Well, where did that come from? They just don't think about, they're like, no, no, I'm in the spaghetti business. And, and sort of the joke we have is, well, what, what's your expansion strategy? And they're like, we're thinking of adding another color of spaghetti. We got three so far. And we're thinking of adding a fourth. <laughs> and it's like, this is, it's just not the most, it's not, it's not, um, it's not really the most efficient way to, to run a business online today. Um, I think they, they should be thinking about working with influencers and they should be thinking hard about uh, curating and making sure that everything ends up in their cart, not in someone else's cart. I think that's the way to think about it. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, David, can you please let everyone know how they can learn more about your company and where they can find you online? How can they reach out and contact you directly? Yeah, um, I'm actually, um, um, I'm on LinkedIn. So, you know, you can search me there. My uh, LinkedIn name is D Perry on um, our company, our website is GetCaro, so getcarro.com. And if you go to getcaro.com, you'll find uh, access to our Shopify app, which you can install into your store and, and do business instantly. And there is a requirement that you're, you're actually getting some sales. We, we've, we put the threshold at 5000 a month right now because obviously brands want to work with other brands that are actually getting sales. So the trick is to work with influencers to get those sales. And then once you've got those sales, we'll, we'll connect you to lots of other brands so you can start partnering with people. But the, if you do that, 
please email us um, at hello at getcaro.com and mention this podcast and we'll take really good care of you. The team will, will take great care of you if you do that. That is amazing. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Dave, this has been a really interesting conversation and I really appreciate you taking the time to break all this down. I mean, I love nerding out on this stuff and um, it was a very great and interesting conversation. So thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to the One Big Tip podcast. If you're a six to eight figure entrepreneur, business coach, or speaker who would like to be on this show, we need to talk. The audience for this podcast is hungry for experts and professionals who want to share their knowledge with this world. So if you're ready to share your actionable and measurable One Big Tip, please go to onebigtip.com slash guest and let's get your story out there. I am also crazy excited to announce my new Agents of Pod coaching program. With this program, I show busy entrepreneurs the strategies that I use to have warm conversations with my dream clients, keep my calendar book solid, and consistently have potential clients at the ready, all anxiously waiting to speak with me every single week. Head on over to agentsofpod.com slash hero and let me show you how to be the superhero in your business today. Lastly, I have a huge ask for you. Could you please share this with your audience on social media? The stories and connections that I make on this podcast have helped thousands of people, sometimes in the most profound ways. And you never know if your small action today will be the one that kickstarts your friend, a family member, or even yourself into taking massive action and starting the next multi-million dollar business. It'll be your way of just paying it forward. My name is Jeff Mendelson. You can find me on all the major social channels like LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening.